Next on BYU Sports Nation, the countdown nears two weeks. Which BYU football position group are you most confident in? BYU baseball's Colton Shaver dominated the Cape Cod League. Now he takes his talents to Studio B. Plus Kalani Sitake on which quarterback stood out in the scrimmage yesterday. Logan Taele of the defensive line and Blaine Fowler back in studio. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. The party's here on the west side. BYU Sports Nation live in Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, Friday, August 19th, wherever. However, you are dialed in. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with part-time college football ticket broker, Jason Shepard. Tickets. Anyone need tickets? Got tickets. Plenty in the Arizona student section. (laughs) Tickets. I got them. I see where you're going with that. Hey, an early rise and shout to fans across BYU Sports Nation that are quickly turning the season opener into a de facto home game for BYU in Arizona. Are you kidding me? Listen to this. Arizona Athletic Director Greg Burns said yesterday, that the Wildcats, quote, still have some ground to make up on our BYU counterparts, end quote, for ticket sales. Again, the game <laughs> is in Arizona, two hours away from campus for the Wildcats. This is the second time that their AD has mentioned this. Rich Rodriguez has been very public about it, and it's still the case. BYU still outselling Arizona in their home state. Do you think it was a coincidence that, like, I don't know, a few hours later, BYU tickets sent out a reminder to fans to buy tickets for the Arizona game? (laughs) Apparently, they don't even need a reminder because they're already doing it. Oh, I love it so much. This is unique. BYU Sports Nation is very real across the country. And are you paying attention? You know who? You have the power. To make this a de facto home game. That's amazing. In Glendale. How far of a drive is it from Provo? 10 hours? Yeah, 10, 11 hours, I think. And they can't get more fans to, out, to drive two hours north. Not to mention their largest alumni base for the school is in the Phoenix metro area. What, what is Phoenix? Like 4 million? I love, a, I love there should BYU be enough fans. Wildcat, 6 million. There should be enough Wildcat fans where that shouldn't happen. But like you said... If you didn't believe in BYU Sports Nation, here's proof. And one. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Cougar football held their second scrimmage of fall camp yesterday. Kalani Satake was asked which quarterback stood out during the scrimmage. And the head coach did not hesitate with his answer. Taysom and Tanner stood out. (laughs) How much movement? Taysom and Tanner and Tanner and Taysom in that order. So. Okay, uh, that, clear, there. that clears some things up, right? Yeah. Let's see, Taysom and Tanner, and uh, Tanner and Taysom, in that order. <laughs> <laughs> Kalani for the win. Much more on the new-look BYU Cougars, including their quarterbacks, and their fall camp strengths on the way in what's trending. On to Rio de Janeiro. Cougars in the Olympics. Your Olympic update begins with Taylor Sander and the U.S. men's volleyball team in action right now. 
against Italy in the medal round at the Olympic tournament. Sander and Team USA and Italy tied at two early in the first set. This and is the medal round. It's the medal round. Hey, and by the way, on Sunday, the other Cougar who rocks the sick stash, mm-hmm. and it's sick, by the way, mm-hmm. Jared Ward will compete in the marathon. That's coming up on Sunday. When Kevin Durant looks <laughs> yes. at your mustache in the Olympic opening ceremonies and says, I want one of those, you know you've made it. Jared Ward, we salute you. BYU Women's Soccer opening their season today or tonight, I should say, in Pullman, Washington, as BYU faces another Cougar squad, Washington State, a team that's just outside the top 25, in fact, five out. That's a tough Pac-12 road opener for the ladies who are ranked 16th tonight, 10 Eastern. That game can be heard live on BYU Radio. And, hey, are you into the uh, NFL preseason? Mm, Yes, because it's football, Jason. Because it's football. And, hey, there were quite a few Cougars in action last night in the NFL preseason. Kyle Vanoy had two tackles for the Lions, who, by the way, Apparently, Detroit Lions fans were booing the Lions last night because they got beat. Oh, it's the preseason, folks. Okay, just relax. Jordan Leslie had two receptions for 35 yards with the Falcons. Attaboy, Jordan. Rob Daniel recorded two solo tackles for the Packers as they defeated the Oakland Raiders. Paul Lasique had one carry for four yards for the Chicago Bears. And uh, Jerem's boy, Jake Heaps, completed <laughs> one pass for four yards for their Seahawks. Oh, <laughs> the sea chickens. Now, here's the thing. What if Jake Heaps makes a roster? I, you know what? Hey, what if I'm in the camp? I want as much success for Jake Heaps as possible. I, I, I would love to see him have some success like that. I think that would be awesome. Okay. While you digest that, rise and shout again. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. We're talking about practice and a game. In fact, very close. Countdown to to the Wildcats. 15 days. Two weeks from tomorrow. I repeat, two weeks from tomorrow. This is not a test. BYU football will partake in the gridiron clash with the Arizona Wildcats. And from what it sounds like, in front of more BYU fans than Arizona fans in Glendale. That takes us to today's Twitter question, Jason. 15 days out from the game against Arizona, which BYU position group are you most confident in? At J underscore Royal 09 says, I'm most comfortable with the quarterbacks. No matter who ends up starting, I know they can run the offense. Is there any disagreement that it should be the quarterbacks? We'll get into that in just a second. At Cougar Yankee says it has to be QB with the talent that Taysom and Tanner bring to the table. BYU is in a win-win situation. It really is a win-win situation. Both quarterbacks are more than capable of playing the position at a high level. Regardless of who the coaching staff decides on, BYU's in good shape. That is an awesome luxury to have. Look, I like Kent Myers at Utah State. I think he's a good quarterback. I think that the University of Utah with Troy Williams uh, have a capable guy. But I think BYU, hands down, have the two best quarterbacks in the state of Utah. I don't. Th- They're I, on the same roster. Does any does anybody feel differently other than Utah or Utah State fans about that? That is not a stretch. That I I agree with you one hundred percent on that. So yeah, it's the quarterbacks. 
Okay, but if you had to pick another position group, so let's step outside the quarterback tunnel vision, if you will, and look at the other position groups. Who are you most confident in? For me, I'm looking on the defensive side, and I'm going to go with the linebackers. Number one, Fred Warner is an absolute stud. We know how good this guy is. And with him being healthy and having a complete offseason to get ready for this season, I think that bodes very well for the BYU defense. Not to mention, Coach Satake said yesterday he, they held him out. He's like, we, we don't need to see more from Fred Warner. We know what we're getting. So you've got him there solidifying that linebacking core. Now, even though he hasn't played the position at this level, the coaches rave about Francis Bernard. I, I have loved that move since it was made. They talk about his ability to play linebacker, how quickly he's picked it up. They love it. Now, I understand that there's still the third linebacker spot, and there's had, there have been several players that have, have gone through that. Austin Heater, uh, Butch Pau, uh, Philip uh, Amone, all the guys, they've kind of rotated through some of those others. But in my opinion, if you're going to take a player like Harvey Longy, who was so good as a linebacker, yes. and you're confident enough that you can take him out of the linebacking core and move him to defensive end, you got to feel pretty good about what you got at linebacker. So that's where I'm going. Either that or Harvey Longy is so good that they're not worried about the linebackers. You know what? And, histor- <laughs> and historically, linebackers have been so good yes. at BYU. Yes. So I just, I'm confident in the linebackers. There is an argument that in terms of BYU, you know, I'm not saying nationwide, but at BYU, when you look at what they've put in the NFL, it's linebacker yeah. you, right? Yeah, that's, 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 I'm confident. That's speaking it. from a BYU standpoint. Now, obviously, I feel strongly about the quarterbacks. One was a Heisman Trophy candidate in 2014. The other was the freshman of the year by the Touchdown Club of Ohio last year. They're both winners. They're combined 23-10 and 10 in games that they have started. They will have a chance in every game, and I'm speaking of BYU as a team, because of quarterback play. No denying that. Taysom's never been blown out. The most he's ever lost a game by, 15. He's never been blown out. That said, the next group I am most confident in are the players behind the quarterback, the running backs, Jamal Williams, Squally Canada, Algie Brown, now at fullback, Riley Burt. I am very confident in their production capability from the running backs. And yesterday, Reno Mahe told us something interesting. When we asked him about Jamal Williams, he said, you know what, I think when I think of Jamal, I think about a former teammate I had with the Philadelphia Eagles. His name was Karel Buckhalter, who set Eagles rushing records in his rookie season. Big, strong, and still plenty of speed. It just does not shy away from the contact. So I like the running backs group a lot. They'll take a ton of pressure off of the quarterbacks. Well, and, and we're going to see probably more out of the running backs this season than maybe what we have in the last couple of years and it, it's because of the the guys that you mentioned those guys can carry the load now those opinions on the table maybe you'll feel differently about which position group you are most confident in after you hear what we learned after the second scrimmage of fall camp first Kalani Satake spoke on the depth chart coming together I mean I think I think this weekend uh, as we start to work through some things I think we'll uh, you know when we take the field on Monday I think we'll be solidified in most spots and uh, we'll see what happens. Solidified in most spots when BYU takes the field on Monday, including the offensive line, who, Jason, apparently have like 10 or 11 yeah. guys that are all ready to play. Really, 11 guys on the offensive line despite the notable absentees early in camp? Well, and we talked yesterday how you know you want to start zeroing in and you want to start getting 
a pretty good idea of what you have. Ty Detmer said, 10 or 11 guys is what I've got. So I think he feels pretty confident he's got starters and he's got the backups to those starters. I think what they're looking for now and what he touched on was, I've got the, I've got the names. I know who it's going to be. Now I've got to put them in the right position. So I think that's a huge thing that they're at that point where they feel like they can do that with the offensive line. I think that's a good sign. Notably, two-year starter T. John Karoma, who, by the way, was not the number one center when fall camp began, has now worked his way back into what looks like the starting role. He was issued a challenge, and he responded. Number two, then there's the Harvey Longy development, and this adds to your... I guess, not really, it kind of takes away because he was a linebacker. If he were still playing linebacker, I'd be with you in your argument. But he's now on the defensive line. Brief history about that guy. Dude was an all-world beater running back in high school. Went to the University of Utah. Came on home from his mission. Transferred to BYU. Became a linebacker. And now he's moved to the defensive line where we are hearing he has early round NFL draft type potential. Okay? From higher ups. And his head coach is absolutely a believer. I've been wanting to move in the DN since I got here, and, and I think the timing just worked out well for us. And uh, he's a bigger body, so I think that uh, for him it just made sense to just eat freely and gain weight rather than, you know, fast and diet. So, uh, yeah, so I think Harvey's no different than any of us, and I, and I think that his skill off the edge is really is really vital for our, our defense to work well. Are you sure you don't want <laughs> to switch your answer to defensive line, Jason? Uh, I feel pretty confident about that. I will stay with it. But here's what I love about that quote. Coach Satake has had a ton of success doing that very move, taking players from one position to another when he was up at the University of Utah and having a ton of success with it. If he sees that out of Harvey Longy, that gets me excited about it. He coached Nate Orchard, yes. who was a second-round NFL draft pick. Okay? I believe that he can assess... NFL talent Paul Kruger. on the defensive line. Paul Kruger. Exactly. Also, why you should feel better about the wide receiver group, we'll get into that coming up uh, in about a half an hour here on BYU Sports Nation. But first, the Cape Cod League home run leader Colton Shaver in studio, his lofty expectations for 2017's baseball season, and football analyst and national champion Blaine Fowler on his headlines from Paul Camp scrimmage number two. Does he quarter? Does he see quarterback separation? BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio, moving pictures on BYU TV. It's a Friday. This is how we do it. Our conversation happening right now on Twitter. Follow at BYU Sports Nation and use the hashtag BYUSN. Listen to women's soccer tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern time on BYU Radio, on the road, taking on Washington State. Then you can watch the Cougars on Monday night. It's the home opener against Nebraska, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time on BYU TV. Who owns the hashtag GoCougs? It's BYU, right? And I believe that's from a lawful and technical standpoint. They have registered with Twitter to oh, own that they? hashtag GoCougs because Washington State had an issue with that because they would use that, yeah. but then it became BYU's. It, isn't Houston, don't they use C-O-O-G-S yes. to get around it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love I love it. Big announcement. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that will never get old. No, Why, Houston? Why did you do that? <laughs> oh, fail. Our Twitter question today. 15 days out from the Arizona game, which BYU position group are you most confident in? Jason and I both say the quarterbacks, 
But after that, he goes with the linebackers, and I go with the running backs. You can hear our reasoning for those decisions downloading the podcast. At Hurdle State Farm tweets in, The corners, easily best too deep we have ever had. Also moving Longy up will help, but is it enough? Interesting. Going with the corners. So moving him to the defensive line will help the cornerbacks be better? Yes, because guess what? When you can pressure the quarterback, the secondary looks amazing. At Colton underscore Hammer, it seems like the secondary has always been a questionable part of the team, but this year will be a different story. People are very excited to see the change in philosophy in terms of more man-to-man, more press coverage. People are excited to see how that works out, especially with the athletes that BYU have in the secondary. It's a risk-reward when you play man-press coverage in the secondary because you hope that your defensive front seven can get pressure enough on the quarterback that those defensive backs can hang with very athletic receivers long enough to make that happen. Okay, while you think about that, let's ask a man who may have an opinion or 17 on such matters. Blaine Fowler, (laughs) Uncle B, football analyst, dual threat analyst, and national champion quarterback at BYU. Blaine, how would you answer today's Twitter question? Which position group are you most confident in? It's I'm confident in a lot. So I'm going to take a whole unit. I, having watched the defense, and I've been to a lot of practices and all the scrimmages, I'm really excited to watch this defense. I, I think this is going to be a very good defense, um, and which is crazy because coming into it, I thought two of the best quarterbacks in the country, two NFL-type guys at quarterback. you got Jamal coming back at running back, which gives them unbelievable depth. They're going to be able to play a lot of two-back because you can put LG at fullback and Jamal or Squally at tailback. The receiving core is solid and deep. You know, My big question was, how's that offensive line going to come along? And I've been really impressed with where they've come from the beginning of spring to now. So before fall camp, I was thinking, man, I'm really excited about this offense. I still am. But I've gone from, from you know, down – uh, 50% confident in the defense to 100% confidence in this defense. Wow. I, I really have been impressed with what they're doing. And, and they're in the position now where they're going to start taking stuff out. And I talked to Ed Lamb the other day, and Ed said, you know, the first couple weeks of camp, and you do the same thing on offense, but you put a lot of things in just to see if you can do them with the personnel you have. Now, starting Monday, they're going to start to go, okay, we looked at nickel. Maybe we're not going to play as much nickel as we thought because those outside backers can really run in cover, so we don't have to go nickel unless we play a team with certain matchups. We looked at this blitz package, not so great at that, so we're going to take that out. So now they're going to be able to take some things out because they've put everything in, and they're going to hone what they're good at for the next two weeks until they play Arizona. I think they've looked really good just with everything in, and so that's impressive. They've looked really, really sharp, so I think that this defense – is going to be outstanding this year. And there's going to be some quarterbacks uh, out there from opposing teams that are not going to like the kind of pressure that's going to be coming off the edge. Brian Logan called Josh Rosen in last year's game, specifically against BYU, Josh Frozen. Can this defense (laughs) make Josh Rosen Josh Frozen again? And and this is going to be a different kind of pass rush. Instead of a three-man front, there's a four-man front. So there's not as many escape lanes inside. And Kalani and, and... Just the whole defensive staff mentality is, up front, we're not going to let quarterbacks step up. We're going to have ferocious, speedy guys on the outside. Harvey Long, you guys have been talking about it, Tau to these guys. But inside, we're going to be bulldozers. And and we're going to take two guys, and we're going to say, don't spin move, don't take a gap. You just take that pocket and collapse it right into the quarterback's face. So that when he feels pressure, 
instead of stepping up like he naturally has been taught to do, he's going to try to escape to the edge. That's why guys like Nate Orchard that you referred to, Shep, uh, for Utah, got so many sacks. They're collapsing the pocket in guys' faces. The only place they feel comfortable escaping is outside, and you got great athletes out there that just run them down. Mm-hmm. So if Travis Tuiloma, when he gets healthy, if Logan Taile and these guys – if they're not making a bunch of tackles, they may still be doing a phenomenal job of forcing quarterbacks into those outside guys. And that's what I've seen in, in a couple weeks of practice. This defense looks impressive. So what would be your headline coming out of, of the second scrimmage uh, at Lavelle Edwards Stadium yesterday? So I, I would say defense stays impressive, but offense takes a step forward. I, I thought that the offense turned a corner on Tuesday at practice when I was there. Um and I think they're kind of understanding what they're doing now. The quarterbacks are getting the ball out just a little bit quicker. They're being more patient. They're taking the underneath throws and understanding that this control passing game and this balance attack that Ty wants to run requires patience in reading the defense. And so it was Tuesday I was watching and I thought, okay, this is starting to look like the methodical offense that Ty ran. And then I, th- I, I thought there was an extension of that into Thursday. So for the first – up until Tuesday, I thought the defense had the upper hand. Isn't that always the case, though, guys? Especially camp, early on, yeah. yeah. And when you're installing a new offense. Yeah, so that's, that's the case when you got returning senior quarterbacks with an offense you've been running for a decade. So when, you get, when you're putting, installing a new defense and a new offense, defense is a lot easier to install. There's less, less concepts that they have to learn, and you just turn the guys loose. Offense takes time, and so the fact that this is a new one, and, it, and I really felt like Tuesday. I walked away from practice, and I went, ah, okay. I saw light bulbs go on. I saw timing. I, I saw this thing start to come together, which is exciting because now they got two weeks to, to continue to hone that as well. And so I think by the time they play Arizona, this offense is going to be a patient, well-oiled machine that makes good decisions. It's interesting that you bring up that you feel like they turned a corner on Tuesday because I talked to Tanner Mangum, and he was the last one on the practice field. That's often the case. Uh, he was throwing passes to his brother Madison, and we chatted about – the details becoming more clear, and and he was and he's very hard on himself. He's like, oh, there were some pre-snap reads and coverages. Like, I need, I, I, I was like, okay, you should be here, but I, I wasn't confident in it. And then after the play was run, my coach looked at me and said, how come you didn't move him over here? And he's like, why didn't I move him over there? You yeah. know. So those are the type of things that Tanner is becoming more confident in, and Taysom in the same way. And and so when you look at those details and the two quarterbacks, are you seeing? any sort of separation between the two. It's really hard because I keep looking. And, and really all we're watching is the passing game. Um, and there, there are times Tanner made a throw on a fade route in the scrimmage to Trinaman. I was like, wow. <laughs> I mean, it was beautiful. Just just <laughs> dropped in there. And, uh, and Jonah, man, can he run. These guys, that's the other thing. Week one, I saw Tanner and Taysom underthrow Trinaman about ten times. Jonah's a smooth operator. You, you, you got to look outside and go, well, hey, who's out there? Oh, that guy? I just drop back and huck it as far as I can because he's going to run under it. So we're watching them start to adjust to the individual speeds of the receivers. More accurate balls. But I'm seeing it happen for both of them. And so, so I'm seeing them both progress. I'm seeing them getting more comfortable because Ty's asking them to do a lot more than they've ever had to do in the system. Make the protection call when he comes yeah. to the line of scrimmage, yes. the directional call for the protection. They didn't have to do that before. Now, once you've done that, don't just look at – I want you to look at the corner and the safety because now there's routes where, for instance, there's a play they have. If the secondary's in too deep zone, the, the outside receivers run comeback routes and the, and the, the tight end kind of settles under in the middle or, or settles underneath the, the free safety. 
or if it's two deep, they run corners and he runs down the middle. If it's three deep, they run comebacks and he settles. So the receivers are making adjustments on the fly. Mm. So everybody has to be able to read the defense. They didn't ask these quarterbacks to do that last year. So for a while, it looks a little mechanical. And then you start to see them start to look more like they're just reacting. They're just like playing. They're just playing. Yeah. That's what I saw on Tuesday, and that's just going to get better. We hear so much about we're going to see much more of the quarterbacks under center. When, when you look at both Tanner and Taysom, how does their footwork and their skill set match up with that? Really good. They both look like they've played under center. That, that to me, from day one, and that tells you how much work they did in the spring and over the summer, um, that was impressive. So from day one, they look comfortable under the center. That's not a problem. Um, it's the mental part of it that slowed them down early. And now they're starting to catch up. And they've got two more weeks. And these are both. I mean, think about it. You guys have had a lot of interaction with both of these guys. They're really, really bright guys. So they're the kind of guys that have been great mentally at BYU in the past. Guys that understand football and are smart and can learn this stuff. We have to finish with a Big 12 expansion. Okay. <laughs> question, Blaine. We'll only ask one. It's in the contract. And yeah, it's, yeah, have to it's an all-encompassing question. <laughs> After everything that's been going on, where do you think they stand in that conversation. I still think they're the number one candidate. I, th- I think they have been since. So, I, I, It's interesting to look at all these national media people that claim to be insiders. Of course, the same guys that said that they weren't going to expand the day before they got a 10-0 vote to explore expansion, right? Now these guys all of a sudden, now they're really insiders again. I, so I'm not trusting what I read. The, these national people that go, well, really looking like Houston, Cincinnati, and BYU third. Do you think that that the Big 12, when they came out that first day and outlined the criteria, had not talked over and over and over again about what that criteria would be. And just throw that out there. on the Hey, and by the way, since I'm here at the microphone, why don't we talk about fan base? And just throw that out. Academics, yeah. athletic ability. They had a plan for expansion about what the criteria would be. He laid it out. BYU and literally every single category is number one. That hasn't changed. Why does it feel like it's slowing down then? Now, I I think that as time goes on, it feels like it's slowing down. I don't know that they're ready to pull the strings, and I think that they're, they've got to decide a lot of things outside of is BYU in or not. I think, I think that that's pretty obvious to most people, right? But it's do we just go with 12 or do we go with 14? Um, maybe 10 and 12 or 11 and 12 are pretty obvious, but are 13 and 14 obvious? We need to flesh this thing out. And I don't think the Big 12 wants to make any announcements until they have their whole act together. And so that's what I think is taking time, not on whether or not BYU is a good candidate. I think all the other things are taking time. And we know for a fact, this is a fact because we heard it from multiple people, everyone involved in this process has had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> and so they're keeping a lid on this thing like it's never been kept on a big event before. And so all these people that claim to know what's going on, you know, these schools especially realize that if they don't adhere to that non-disclosure agreement – they could risk their inclusion. They're jeopardizing yeah. their inclusion. Yeah. So, so nobody's talking. And then the people inside of the Big 12 and the Big 12 office, the outsourced attorneys and people that they're working with, they have also signed non-disclosure agreements at the risk of their jobs or their affiliation with the Big 12 in the future. This is the best-kept secret <laughs> that we've seen in a long time. The Big 12 is doing a masterful job of managing the information. And, and I think that because we're not hearing much, everybody thinks, gosh, this thing is stalled. Things are actively happening behind the scenes. Guys are working on I know that Tom Homo and President Worthen have been involved for a long time and continue to be. And who would you want in those rooms more than those two guys right now? 
I mean, President Worthen, with his background as an attorney, is just the guy as you start talking contracts and negotiations. That's the guy you want in there. Tom he had Holmo. the highest GPA in the history of BYU Law School. Isn't that the guy you want? Isn't he the perfect guy to be president of this university right now with what's going on? He's perfect. That's yes. the, I don't need him to tell me what's going on. I'm just like, President Worthen, go do your thing. You're, this is what you're great at. Go do it. And then Tom Homo, with his experience, his, his street credibility, he's coached at the pro level. He's coached at the college level. He's at the athletic, athletic administration. He's played um, for great teams in college. He's a Super Bowl champion in the pros. He's coached with some of the greats of all time. He's with Bill Walsh. He's been exposed to Lavelle Edwards. He's, his credibility in that room is impressive. And we know how Tom is with people in an individual and in a group basis. So, hey, we'll let those two guys do their job. I, I couldn't pick two better people to be working this behind the scenes than the two guys we have working on this. Jason, thing. give that man a fist bump. Blaine Fowler bringing it and wearing a Titanless. He's got to go to a wedding. We got well, I heard no. It isn't about the wedding. I heard Chef was on the show today. <laughs> and usually when he comes, it's a very formal affair. So I don't know what yeah, happens. We dress down. I don't know what happened. <laughs> we dress down today. T-shirts for us. A nice and tie. Dress down tie nice for Blaine. Tie. Thank you, guys. Blaine, thanks for the time, man. Up next on BYU Sports Nation, where did ESPN predict BYU would finish in the Big 12? Wait, that's a thing? We'll tell you. In the Kruger Whip Round. But first, the Cape Cod League home run champion Colton Shaver and Logan Taele of BYU Football. Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard in Radio Vision live on a Friday on BYU Radio, simulcasting on BYU TV, presented proudly by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. By the way, did you get that BYU Football t-shirt? At the BYU store? Uh, I did not. Um, Man. Do you want to know who actually gave it to me? Yes. Bronco Mendenhall. (laughs) (laughs) It's a true story. Oh, great moment. Great moment in BYU Sports Nation history right there. Do you really want to know who gave this to me? I was waiting for you to say Kyle Whittingham or something. No. No. That'd be funny, though. We know he still has BYU gear. Make sure you're following BYU Sports Nation on social media. We're at BYU Sports Nation on Twitter, BYUSN on Snapchat, and BYU Sports Nation on Facebook, where you just never know where we may go live on Facebook Live. Mm. We're like ninjas that way. You never know when it's coming. Let's refresh today's BYU Sports Nation headlines, starting with BYU football holding their second scrimmage of fall camp yesterday. Kalani Satake was asked which quarterback stood out during the scrimmage. He said, quote, Taysom and Tanner, and Tanner and Taysom. (laughs) In that order, end quote. And that clears it up. Now back to Rio de Janeiro. Cougars in the Olympics. This Olympic update begins with Taylor Sander and the U.S. men's volleyball team. They're in action right now against Italy in the medal round. Sander, Team USA. Oh, it's a close one. How close? Tied 28-28 in the first set. Oh, man. They're already in extras. 28s in the first set. Winner of that match will play in the gold medal match. The United States have won four in a row, by the way. Playing really, really well right now. Also, coming up on Sunday, the other Cougar who's rocking the sixth stash, Jared Ward, will compete in the marathon. Kevin Durant tweets out, Jared Ward has the best mustache in the world! Let's be honest, (laughs) Kevin Durant likes BYU, loves Jared's mustache, and he's a huge Jimmer fan. (laughs) He loves himself some BYU. For the record, he didn't really tweet that. 
but I bet he was thinking about it after he saw it. <laughs> BYU women's soccer opening their season today in Pullman, Washington, as BYU faces Pac-12 for Washington State, a team just outside the top 25. The 16th-ranked Cougars in action tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern. You can listen to that game live via BYU Radio. Also, five former BYU Cougars were in action last night in the NFL preseason. Kyle Van Oy had two tackles for the Detroit Lions. Jordan Leslie, two receptions for 35 yards with the Atlanta Falcons. Rob Daniel recorded two solo tackles with Green Bay. Paula C.K. had one carry for four yards playing for the Chicago Bears. And former Cougar quarterback Jake Heaps completed one pass for four yards with the Seattle Seahawks. Our Twitter question today, 15 days out from the BYU-Arizona game, which BYU position group are you most confident in? At Mr. Underscore Flintstone 94 says the quarterbacks and running backs. The question is, can the offensive line be good enough to allow them to be effective? That's... Ooh. That is what... I think one of the questions that everybody, including the coaches, they realize, especially Ty Detmer, not just because he's the coach, but as a player, he knew how important the offensive line was for everything he did, not just for what he did, but for what the running backs did. And with them wanting to run the ball more, that's going to be critical. Blaine Fowler just told us that his most confident position group is the entire defensive side of the ball. He was really high on the defense, wasn't he? (laughs) That was awesome to hear. He mentioned by name Logan Taele of the defensive line and what he will bring in terms of being a bull rusher to help those ends get in and pressure the quarterback. We went two-on-one with Logan after practice, after that second scrimmage yesterday. Here is that interview. Okay, Logan, fall camp scrimmage number two. Where do you feel like your team got better today, specifically in this scrimmage? Uh, I feel like a lot of our twos and threes stepped up. Uh, so I think it's just good so we can get good rotations in during the games. So it's just getting those younger guys, those reps they need to learn the plays, learn the technique, and just you know, be contributors. I know you guys are running through the same drills for the most part, but just being inside Lavelle Edwards Stadium, does that change things up for you? Yeah, a little bit. It's like everything's a little heightened. So, you know, it's not like your run of the day, like you're always going to the SAB and practicing there. It's just you're here, there's a different feeling here. So it's, it's, it's definitely better and cooler atmosphere. It's hard not to notice the royal blue defensive practice jerseys and the royal blue headband, for that matter. <laughs> like, is, is this something that you're going to continue on through games, or is this just the practice look? Um, hopefully. That'd be cool if they brought more of the royal back <laughs> to the games. But headbands, I always wear headbands depending on the game, if it's a white game or royal game or whatever. So we'll see. For you personally, how, how did today's scrimmage go for you? Uh, it went well. Just got a few reps, just warm up the shoulders and just feel good. What do you expect from the defensive line in terms of, okay, we've got a new defense, we're 4-3, 4 down linemen. Like, what do you think you will see and fans will see that will be like an immediate noticeable difference? Uh, I just feel like in the 3-4 we just kind of fed the linebackers. I feel like there's, there's more like responsibility on us to collapse the pocket and just to drive the linemen back and you know, make more plays as well. You mentioned, you know, more responsibility. In talking with other members of the defensive line, it seems like you guys are really relishing that. You guys are looking forward to having more responsibility in terms of that, right? Yeah, I mean, like more responsibility, there's more limelight, you know, get a little, <laughs> a little more attention, you know. But more sacks, right? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Not so much in the, the inside, but hopefully like our DNs, you know. What have you heard more? I mean, what's, like, what's the go-to phrase 
when it comes to the defensive line and the coaching that goes on there? Is there something they're like, okay, prioritize this one thing, just do this? What do you hear more than anything else? Probably just attack, just attack the, the O-line as much as possible because it's more attack and then read what's going on, read, run, read, pass. And last year it was more like read, pass, read, run, and then attack. So... Coach Satake mentioned a minute ago, he said, I, I can tell that the guys are really getting tired of playing against each other. I mean, are you kind of at that point of fall camp where you guys are just sick of facing this, the same team? Yeah, basically everyone's anxious to start get the season rolling, and you kind of just get little vendettas against certain people. Like <laughs> certain things happen during practice, and you just like, <laughs> I'm going to get you next play. But, <laughs> <laughs> all right, you know, just push and pull on each side. Now, is that more of a is that more of a fun thing? I mean, is, is the trash talk like? Do you use that to to motivate you? How, how do you implement the, I guess, um, the banter? I'm not I'm not a banter type person. I'm more of just like I said, it's like I'm gonna get you next play. Like if someone gets me, like I'm just like okay, I'm gonna come back next play. Some people like to take it outside of that, but personally, no. I think it's fun and gets things everyone riled up, which I think we just need that energy, that 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 focus. I guess, yeah. You get to face this offense. I'm curious, from your perspective, how is the offense coming along? Uh, I feel like they're coming along really well. So it's good to see both like multiple quarterbacks that have experience and know what to do. They know how to lead and good skill, good running back core, and you know, get our O line. They're good too. How different is it defending against both of the quarterbacks? Because obviously Taysom's a very good scrambler and quick right. on his feet. Tanner is a you know drop back prolific passer. Like, is it that different in the pro style offense? Um, I think, yeah, just, I mean, Taysom is that run threat for me. It's like, you gotta like, gotta be weary of him, like running out in the boot. Obviously in the red zone, he's always, they've been doing that a lot lately. So just, yeah, it is different. Everybody has been talking about some of the differences in in camp this year. Obviously you have a new coaching staff, so things are going to be different, but have you noticed a, a different attitude permeating throughout the entire team? Yeah, I just feel like, um... Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> in what way do you think? What have you noticed that's, that's different in terms of, like, attitude? Uh, I feel like they focused a lot on chemistry and getting the players to come together rather than, like, kind of just being, like, a militant-type style. Like, just having us – they just really, like, creating an atmosphere and an environment that we can all come together and just build unity that way instead of just kind of just having everything structured and telling us what to do. So just a little more freedom, and I feel like that freedom just allows us to bond and just come together on our own. One Kafusi graduated and moved on to the NFL, Bronson, but but you inherit another one in Corbin, and your defensive line coach is Steve Kafusi. He he stays on from the old coaching regime. So, you know, what kind of a Kafusi impact do you think will there be on the field with Corbin this year? Uh, I love Corbin. He's just a hard worker. He'll put his head down and just go to work. He's really humble. So I love that about him, and I feel like that's going to get him far in whatever he does. Um, he's really quick if he just masters his craft and. Just get all the, the the rust off since he's always been playing basketball lately. And but I'm excited for him. Excited to see what he can do. Bat balls, make get some sacks. I think he can do it all. Is it weird to see number 90 on the field still? Yeah, sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's not Corbett. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not Bronson. Like it's like it throws me off sometimes. Sure. Yeah. Speaking of, of Coach Kafusi, now I, I want you to think about this because I certainly don't want to get you in trouble. But something that you're comfortable sharing. What's something about Coach Kafusi? that you, since he's your position coach and you're around him all the time, that you know that maybe people don't know? Uh, is, there, is there a story or something about Co- Coach Kafusi that stands out to you? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, he seems kind of – I feel like in the limelight he seems kind of quiet, but with us he's always, like, 
kind of really stern and he'll crack jokes every now and then but he always picks on the freshmen I <laughs> like I was used to it no one no one thinks that because like no, no one on the D-line was there when I was a freshman but it's like everyone just kind of like that pecking order you just become the younger guys and <laughs> so I guess that's about it <laughs> how close to a starting defensive line do you think BYU football is right now like as far as first string uh-huh. um I think they're close I think they're they're getting there just depending on injuries and you know, seeing who can step up like today, like, like Kesney and Methy stepping up and Tomasi. I think they're all doing well as far as the D tackles. Logan, great to talk to you, man. Uh, congratulations on surviving to this point of fall camp. We look forward to more good stuff. All right. Thank you. BYU Sports Nation on a Friday rolls on. Where does ESPN predict BYU football would finish in the Big 12? Hmm. They're really doing that. And Logan Taile of BYU Football, you just heard from him. If you missed that interview, download the podcast. What does he think about the defensive line starters? Up next, a man who led the Cape Cod League in home runs, Colton Shaver, back in Studio B. BYU Sports Station presented by the BYU Store on a Friday. The official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton, Jason Shepard, live from Studio B. If you happen to miss an episode of this show live, the rebroadcast airs weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. Listen to women's soccer tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern time on BYU Radio as they play, play at Washington State. Then you can watch the Cougars on Monday. It is the Cougars' home opener in their home opener Against Nebraska at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Watch it on BYU TV. 15 days out from the Arizona game. Which BYU position group are you most confident in? Maybe it's the wide receivers after news that Nick Kurtz is continuing his comeback from a broken foot. He's getting faster in drills. And upon clearance early next week, he could be doing things full speed. Without question, that adds a nice little something to the wide receiver group. Hey, a little nugget. He also said overall team speed he thinks better than How last year. How about he that? He thinks he's the best. Joining us now, a man who is not shy to talk about his speed on the base paths of BYU baseball, <laughs> Colton Shaver. And before we get into our questions from the home run hitter, we bring you our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Colton Shaver hit 248 with the Wareham Gateman. Mm-hmm. Also hit eight home runs and 30 RBI, which led the team and the Cape Cod League. Eight home runs, 30 runs batted in. Talking about making the most of your opportunities on a big stage, we welcome Colton Shaver back to Studio B. Welcome, man. Thanks for having me. Rocking the Wareham Gateman t-shirt. I thought it was important to wear today. <laughs> okay, so now, Wareham or Wareham? Wareham. Okay, that's what I thought. The Wareham Gateman. Yes, sir. It's, the H they... is... is pronounced yes they say everything different out there <laughs> not one thing when i first showed up it was like i was trying to pronounce names trying to figure out where i needed to go like the bus stop was when you read it sagamore and everyone was like what are you talking about and i was like sagamore bus stop and they're like no it's sagamore <laughs> like you need you, like you sound ridiculous <laughs> the wareham and sagamore okay yes okay i'm on it man you're helping us become, uh, I guess, natives of the area. I'm trying. We trying. appreciate that. What did you learn most about your time in the summer with the Wareham Gateman? I just learned it was all sorts of different styles of baseball. Um, everybody had their own game. Like we had a kid from LSU. He led the league in batting average. He won the batting title. And I think probably 95% of his hits were infield hits. So it's like really? his, his game was he would hit the ball on the ground between third and short. And he was fast enough to beat it out. 
So there's that game. And then we had other kids where it's like, they're like me, they can't run. So we're trying to get that ball in the air and see how far we can hit it. Cause that's the only way we're going to get a base hit. Where do you think you improved the most during your, your time uh, with the Gateman? I think I really improved defensively working with Jerry Weinstein and his staff. They worked hard with me on that. We worked hard at first, third, uh, catcher, played all three. And I, I felt like I improved greatly at all three. Also, he worked hard with the approach at the plate with this upper-level pitching that we saw. We were seeing guys throwing 97 with real sharp sliders, and he fo- he helped me out with realizing in count situations what I need to look for, uh, little cues to pick up, just – little things in baseball that no one ever really sees. What kind of feedback were you receiving at the end of the Cape Cod League from different coaches and, I don't know, uh, talent scouts or whatever? Well, I didn't really talk to scouts, but talking to the coaches, they're saying that they're surprised with my skill set defensively. They're like, we didn't – because I asked them, I was like, hey, can I get some work at third base? Just don't put put me in the game. Just I just want to practice it, See see if I can do it. And the next day, Jerry's like, well, you're playing third today. <laughs> I was like, thanks, dude. <laughs> but I done. said not to put me in. <laughs> yeah. And he put me there the next day, and I did well. It's, but it's like how baseball is. You know, you put a new guy somewhere new, and the ball gets hit to you. So I had a lot of plays that day, and I, I handled it well. And Jerry came up, and he was like, you know, you surprised me. I didn't think you could do it. I just want to see what would happen. And he's like, you showed me that you can play there. What excites you most – when you think about the, the 2017 BYU baseball team, which is going to be here before we, before we know it. Mm. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be fun. We have a lot of kids that have been playing well all summer. We have I've been seeing on the tweet feed all, all summer long, it was Keaton Kringlin and Daniel Schneeman just putting up big numbers, and that's, they're representing BYU. They're showing the country what we can do. So I'm excited for everyone else to come in and do the same thing. You mentioned Keaton. I was actually talking with him yesterday, and he said with all of you guys at different parts of the country playing summer baseball, he said that the one way you guys kept in contact was like these late-night FaceTime calls. How many of those did you participate in? Because you're on the East Coast. That's got to be late for you. Yeah, I only did a couple, but I had to cut them short because of time differential. It was my bedtime. (laughs) You got to get the rest. (laughs) I got to get it. It's all about (laughs) discipline, man. I can't imagine that's, that they're talking about anything better than what you could be gaining through sleep, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't really think it's discipline. I think it's more just, I got to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> tired. I'm so tired. Uh, when will the team, speaking of BYU baseball, get together and start the process for official preparation for 2017? We have our first couple meetings right as school starts, and we get to know each other, get to know all the new guys, catch up with the guys that have been out all summer. And then we'll really f- first start – we'll start getting after it right after Labor Day. We'll start practicing hard and getting ready for the season. I know you're a big Denver Broncos fan. The, oh, okay. uh, the, the season is just around the corner. How, how do you think your, uh, your boys are going to do, especially if Mark Sanchez is your quarterback? <laughs> I think defensively we're going to be good. It's up to Vaughn Miller. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yes. We're going we're gonna to tweet that out, just the expression. <laughs> Tag know. Mark Sanchez in it. That will be, <laughs> that, Mark yes, Sanchez. that will become memed when, you, when you're asked how you feel about your team when Mark Sanchez is the quarterback. <laughs> Colton's face. No, I think he's going to do great. He's, he works hard, and I think he'll, he'll step up to the occasion and do what needs to be done. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks, Colton. We're coming up with the Cougar Whip Around right after this. 
BYU Sports Station, presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Jason? Let's whip it. Okay. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. BYU held their second scrimmage of fall yesterday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It included uh, news, or included news coming out of the scrimmage was that head coach Kalani Sataki said he hopes to have the depth chart close to solidified come Monday. Cougars in the Olympics. Now to Rio for an Olympic update. Taylor Sander and the United States men's volleyball team in action right now against Italy in the medal round of the Olympic tournament. Sander and Team USA lost in a first set, a long first set, currently trading 15-12 in the second. They've got some work to do. And on Sunday, the other Cougar rocking a sweet mustache. Jared Ward will compete in the marathon coming up in just a few days. Soccer. Soccer gets their season started tonight in Pullman, Washington, as BYU faces Washington State tonight. It's at 10 p.m. Eastern time. That game can be heard on BYU Radio. Now, coming up on Monday, the Cougars will face Nebraska in their home opener at Southfield on BYU TV. You can Cougars watch in them. The NFL. Five former BYU Cougars in action last night in NFL preseason action. Kyle Van Noy had two tackles for the Detroit Lions. Jordan Leslie, two receptions for 35 yards with the Atlanta Falcons. Rob Daniel had two solo tackles for the Green Bay Packers. Paul Asike had one carry for four yards for the Chicago Bears. And Jake Heaps of the Seattle Seahawks, one pass for four yards. This weekend, other Cougars in NFL preseason action include Alani Fu with the Cardinals, Dennis Pitta and DeAndre Wesley with the Ravens, and John Denny with the Miami Dolphins. Volleyball. Let's not forget uh, Daniel Sorensen and Mitch Matthews with the Kansas City Chiefs. How could we overlook those guys? Just saying. The women's volleyball team holds their annual Blue-White scrimmage tomorrow at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time at the Smith Fieldhouse. The scrimmage is free and open to the public. Cougars in the minors. Mike Rucker pitched two and two-thirds innings, giving up one hit, had a strikeout, and getting the win. Adam Law, one for four from the plate for a home run with his team, the Jackson Generals. Softball. Assistant coach Pete Meredith will be inducted into the ASA-USA National Hall of Fame class of 2016. Meredith holds a record for most wins in ASA-USA championship play with 55. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help. When you need it most, DexterLaw.com. Jason, do the honors. Bob Bowlesby. Okay, how many shows in a row is that? I think that it's got to be like 21 or something, right? Hey. Keep it going. 15 days away from the Arizona game. Which BYU position group are you most confident in? At Kiki Dean says, with Taysom and Tanner coached by BYU's best quarterback ever, how can you not say quarterback? It's been decades since the Y had this much quarterback depth. Our elite tweet of the day, at Josh11 Cheatham says, just let football start already. Amen to that, Josh. Hey, thanks to our guests today, Blaine Fowler, Colton Shaver, and Logan Taele, plus everybody on the crew. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter. Don't forget to use the hashtag BYUSN. The show on demand on BYUSN.com, audio podcast on iTunes, and the TuneIn app for Jason. I am Spencer. Shout out to my boy, Colby Buckwalt. We're back to work tomorrow at noon Eastern.